Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you, of course, for another Tuesday morning episode. And today I have an interview with one of my very favorite people. She's been on the podcast once before, and I am delighted to let you know that she is back. And this is Eliza Jane Brazier. And we are discussing her novel, Girls and Their Horses, which came out right at the beginning of June. It is a very, very wild ride, one that I really enjoyed. So I hope that you will all give this interview a listen and pick up the book as well. After that, of course, I have some new books to tell you about. So let's get started with the usual housekeeping information, and then we will get into the meat of the episode. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am here once again with author Eliza Jane Brazier, who was here a couple of years ago when her novel, If I Disappear, was released. So I am really excited to have you back, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here again. Can we start with a brief description of Girls and Their Horses, which is coming out in the U.S. on June 6th? Uh, Yes. So basically, it's um, the story of a mother who is kind of looking to connect with her daughters through their shared love of horses. So they move to this really elite community in Southern California, and they kind of just dive like, you know, feet first or whatever into this all consuming horse world with like egotistical trainers. There's like kind of like cliquey mean girls and like competitive mothers. Um, And as they're just drawn deeper into this world, it becomes more and more clear that someone is headed for tragedy dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and as the reader like you kind of know as you're reading that you know something has happened you don't clearly understand what that is until a certain point in the book but you definitely know as you're reading along that you know it's that something has happened that has caused you know a mm, shall we say a bit of turmoil yeah there's uh, some police investigation stuff happening 
Yes. And then yes. we can go back in time. Yeah, so you get to see everything that led up. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, to. <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> yeah. So are you pretty familiar then with, with horses and oh, yeah. riding, showing? Uh, showing, no, because like, well, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't have like the money to really show. But I, I started riding when I was five. Um, and then I was, uh, I was like a working student, like even from like eight, which is working student is basically when you work for free at a horse stable. Um, and so I did that like for a lesson program. And then I was a rider in the training program and then stopped for like 10 years while I lived in London. And then I ended up going back, uh, into like horseback riding after my husband died, I moved back to America. I was a head wrangler at a dude ranch. And then I was a riding instructor in Orange County and in Los Angeles. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of, I think where the initial spark of the idea for this book came because I would work with like the children of like these sort of very like rich and famous people. And I would just observe the different parent child dynamics. And it just, I just found, um, it was just so interesting to, to sort of see like how that would sort of play out. And that kind of inspired, I think the sort of central question of the novel. I feel like there are, certain arenas where that whole like especially the mother-daughter dynamic plays out really well like I find it in a lot of like you know dance related things like stage moms yeah. um, but definitely in in horseback riding circles it seems to be like a huge thing hopefully um you you know didn't experience anything quite like what no, happened. Um, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like you're dramatizing it for a book. And that was honestly one of the hard things is because like I'm a horse person and it's like I write thrillers. And so part of you is like, I'm not sure if I want to like mesh those two. Um, because like I want to obviously like I, I'm interested in like the sort of positive side of everything. So it was kind of trying to find a way to do that that felt still like I could be presenting um just like horse you know, ownership and stewardship in like a positive light, you know? So I think it, it worked so well because you definitely got the sense of like the, the great love that people have for horses and kind of, you know, what drives them for that connection. But it was also just so, so compelling. It was a book that I didn't want to stop reading. You know, sometimes I'll be reading something. I'm like, oh, you know, I have to go like make dinner. Like, that's fine. I'll put it down and come back. And with this, I'm like, no, I'm glad that I have um, the audio copy as my advanced copy because I could just take it with me. Oh, that's nice to hear. Thank you. Yes. And you have a very, very talented audio narrator. I don't know if you've heard. Hey, I got um, a pin person and I like straight away. It was like, yeah. Yeah, she I did. Heard, I haven't heard it though. I actually oh, you haven't? haven't? No, I haven't. I, oh. I mean, I had never actually listened to an audio of any of my books. I think, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to be in like the right frame of mind because I feel like I'd be so sensitive to like, oh, why did I write? <laughs> why did I write it that way? Or that sound, you know, like it would just, it would be hard not to just be thinking about things that I would change. If you wanted to hear just kind of a, a glimpse of what it sounded like, you could always look up online and like play a sample. Like a lot of libraries yeah. will do like the, you know, play a sample and you get like a five minute. Hmm. I should um, do that. Like I really, it's just like there's, you know, there's certain times when you're really like sensitive and I feel like I need to have a time when I'm like, I'm not working on anything else. I can just like 
<laughs> like if I did it right now, I'd probably have a panic attack. <laughs> uh, well, don't, don't do it now. Don't do it now. <laughs> but I think, you know, she, she did a phenomenal job. In fact, I listened to her, um, in another book, not long before I read yours. And I was like, Oh, like she, she's here twice. Yeah. What book was it? Do you remember? Uh, let's see. Yellow face. By That's what I thought. Okay. So whenever I picked her, I didn't know that she'd done that book. And I, whenever I found that out, I was like, oh my gosh. Cause that's like a big book. I was like, cool. yes, the person. Yeah, she is um, oh, someone okay. that I wasn't super familiar with until like earlier this year. And then now I've had her like pop up in a few, um, you know, things that I've, I've listened to over the past several months. Yeah. So she's definitely, you know, very talented. And I hope that more authors end up uh, giving her a try. Yeah, I think they probably will. So you said that you actually were able to pick. Yeah, they um, said you wanted. Usually for me, what happens is they'll send me like five or something like that they think are good choices. And it's like amazing. Like the people that do the casting for that, like they're really like good at their jobs because they'll like send people and you'll be like, oh my God, that's like exactly what I had in my head. And like, how hard is it to sense that? You know what I mean? Like I I've actually think been it would be so hard. long away when I listen to, and it's like, you'd have to have this like encyclopedic knowledge of like all the people you have in your books too. You know what yes. I mean? Oh, so I think she'd be right for that. Or, you know, it's such like a specific sort of thing. Like it was really interesting actually to me. Well, and she has, I feel like a really wide range where she was able to voice all of the characters in a way that like made them distinct, but wasn't, you know, so over the top where you're like, wow, like this person... So- so they actually, so when she does it, I'm asking you since I haven't heard it, d- does she actually do different voices for different characters? And like, is so it I would say more like different intonations. Yeah. Um, like you can definitely tell, for example, if it's like one of the mothers or one of the daughters speaking, you know, you definitely get familiar with the, the cadence that she gives to each of the characters. Yeah. Um, I would say it's enough that it makes it distinct. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's like a completely quote unquote different voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she does distinguish between them in a way that feels like really, really natural. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) So yeah, I would, I would definitely um, recommend for people who are listening to this, if you are an audiobook fan, and you're looking to pick this up, um, you could definitely fall in love with it in audio. So this is your third thriller now, I believe. Yeah, it's my third, yeah, it's my third uh, thriller novel. And one of the things that I remember most about your first one is the sort of visceral reaction I had to some of your descriptions. And I will admit to being a little bit concerned when I first picked this up uh, because there were parts of um, If I Disappear where I was just like, oh, you know, it was so, so immersive that I could almost like feel like I was, you know, in, in the situation that the characters were in. And I, in that particular book you know there were some situations that I wouldn't have wanted to be in yeah so I I was a little um a little concerned when I first picked up this 
And yet it was equally immersive, but I think in a, like in a different way. And so I love sort of your ability to still reel your readers in, but to have it feel like so completely different from your other books. That's like, and that's like something that I honestly, like, I think that I intentionally do. Cause like my, all three of my books, like if I disappear, good, rich people, and now this one, and then the next one as well, it's like, they are all very different. Like, I'm sure there's things that you could like put, you know what I mean? But like, in terms of like, I like to come up with the idea and then try to tell the story in the best way for that idea. So like, there's different kind of things that I would like draw from. So I feel like if I disappear was like a little bit more creepy mystery. Like I was kind of like looking at things yes. like the haunting of Hill House or things like that. That's like, like what I was pulling from, you know what I mean? Right. And this book is more like I was pulling from like, uh, I don't know if I say her name right. Leanne Moriarty. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Or like a little, maybe like Megan Abbott, like kind of trying to do just something totally different, you know? I think I have so many, I'm a very, like, I have a lot of different experiences in my life and a lot of like different things that I like. So it's, it's kind of like fun to like, just try to explore that, you know, cause I don't ever want to just be one thing, you know? No, I can see that. I think it would be challenging. I mean, some people do it and they do it so well where it, it feels fresh, you know, each time, even though books can be very similar, but I imagine that if your mind works in a certain way, that it could be hard to feel like you're you know, creating um, something that feels very similar to the thing that you've done before. Yeah. I also like, I guess in a totally practical way, I feel like if you're, if you have like a book that comes out and it's super duper successful, there's almost like this pressure that you need to do the same thing again. Oh and yes. Because my books are like, they're, they do well, but they're not like blowing the roof off. People don't come in and go, oh my God, I'm so, well, maybe some do, but like not everyone's going to come in and be like, oh, I'm disappointed. This isn't the same as the other book. You know what I mean? So it's nice in a way to like, not have that kind of pressure that you have to sort of like meet someone's expectations of what you should be, you know? That's true. And I think that is a thing that people can fall into pretty easily because there's a piece of, you know, most of us that want to be successful and we want people to like and appreciate what we put out into the world. And so I think it sometimes can be sort of easy to fall into that. Well, the way to keep that happening is, you know, to keep doing something, you know, very similar again and again. Um, And maybe there is a bit of freedom that comes from like not feeling the need to do that. Yeah, totally. And I like, for me, it'd be like, I always like, I read a lot. I'm sure you read a lot. And it's like, I always want to be trying to do something that's like different because I read so much. It's like, for me, it can be, I can get a bit bored if I feel like something is too similar to like what has been out there. So I definitely feel like I try to like, even with my writing, I try to approach it in a way of like, okay, I don't want to do the same thing I've already done. I want to try something new and I want to get better at something that maybe I think I'm not good at. Like I'll try to like challenge myself. Um, And also I'm always trying to learn. That's the other thing. Like I genuinely, I think this book is better than my other two books. And I think that, you know, the book before this one was better than the one before that because I spend as much time or more time studying how to be a better writer as I do writing. Like I like read books. I like analyze stuff. I listen to podcasts. Like I'm always trying to figure out what am I doing wrong, to be honest. 
I don't know, like, I guess it's like subject. I and mean, there's a, there's a sense, there's some stuff that's subjective, but there's some stuff that isn't. <laughs> right. I mean, I think there are some things that clearly like are good writing and like some things that clearly are not, but yeah. I also think that the voice of an author is just so important. Like for some people, their writing might not be like the flashiest, but there's something about the way certain people can tell a story that sort of brings you in regardless of like the quote unquote technical aspect of what they do. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I definitely think like there's, there is an element of that. I also think some people are just naturally good at things, but it's like, for me, I guess the big things that I'm trying to learn is just, it's to me, like writing is about communication and connecting with an audience. And so I do think that there's things that you can do to make it easier for people to connect with something that you're, that you're saying and to make your work like resonate with people. And obviously that comes from authenticity, but you have to be willing to put that authenticity in there and like be vulnerable. Absolutely. Like honest, you know, not just be sort of like entertaining people, but be like actually connecting with them, you know? Is there something like a piece of advice or a strategy that you have found that has worked for you throughout your writing? Like something that you carry with you from book to book, or is everything just like completely new and clean when you leave one project behind for another? Um, I guess like in terms of like to say like a piece of advice, or I think that one of the things that I have learned and then like in continually learning, and it kind of relates to what I was saying before, but it's that if you're like actually publishing books, it's not for you. It's your, it's for an audience. And I think a lot of people come into this wanting to be a writer or wanting to write books and just think, oh, I'm just going to do what I like and just think about myself and what I, you know what I mean? And it's, I don't think that that's, if that's the case, I think then just don't publish it. You know, if you want to write it for you, then just keep it for you. I think that there, you have to respect and like recognize that you're actually trying to communicate with an audience and that, that to do that, you have to sometimes um, get out of the, your get out of the way you know like for example with this book like I'm a horse person I know a lot about horses so we went through a lot of drafts where I I thought I was having a great time writing it I was having <laughs> so fun I was like this is I was so like happy I was like I haven't enjoyed writing like this in years for real right but it's like my editor would just was just kind of not getting it and it's because like my knowledge is so specific. It was like not inviting people who weren't in that world into the book. So a lot of right. it was having to like recognize that and be like, okay, I need to change the way that I'm setting this novel up. I need to change the things I'm talking about because it's not accessible, you know? Right. Like, and so it would be a very niche. Time, but like nobody else is good. <laughs> yes. right. It would be a very niche experience like yes. for writers, but maybe not for other for other people then which I'm guessing is not what you were aiming for. Exactly. And I feel like that's just like a thing that happens honestly all the time in some way or another, where it's like you, you can get carried away with something because you're having a good time and you can forget that you have to be able to take yourself out and read it as if somebody, as if you're somebody else, you know what I mean? Right. Other people that are going to be reading it, not you. <laughs> so how many drafts did it take oh. you to kind of feel like you got it to where you wanted it to be, not just in that sense, but yeah. just where you look, we're like, okay, this, this is actually yeah. like what I was going for. So this was honestly probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, um, 
writing experiences I've ever had in my entire life. We literally went through like three or four drafts and it was like, we started going around in circles. And I think part of it was what I said with the whole horse, you know, me just having a different interest in a way. But then I also think that the way I structured the novel, like looking back now, I think was kind of wrong. Cause I sold it on like a pitch in three chapters. So the original version of the story, oh. someone died in the beginning of the novel like some people had like sex, like, and then it fast forwarded two years. And so the whole book kind of felt like it wasn't going anywhere because everything had already happened at the beginning ah, uh-huh. time, you know, and it was, so it was kind of a mystery, but it was like a mystery that was pretty cold because it had happened two years before. And then there's sort of like a grief aspect, which can be kind of hard for a thriller to like, um, to juggle that. Right. So it got to the point where I, we were going sort of going around in circles. It was just not really working. And I felt like I was like at the point where I was like, I don't even like this anymore. Like, I don't like it. Like, I know they don't. <laughs> also, I don't. <laughs> now you don't. But I was like, what do I do? I was panicking to all my friends and stuff. And I ended up just writing like a totally different version, like 10,000 words. I sent it to my editor. I was like, look, you know, I was like, I was like, you gave me like six weeks to do this edit, another edit on this book. And I was like, but I was like, I'll, I can do that in two weeks. And I'm like, in the meantime, I'm going to like, actually just try to rewrite the book. And this is like what I'm thinking and da, 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 da. And she like basically gave me the green light to do that. Um, and I rewrote the entire book, um, completely different, so different. And, um, then we went through another big edit and then we got to the point where we were done, but yeah, so it was like a total, it's crazy too. Cause it's like, like I said, like, this is something I'm so passionate about. So you would think that that would mean it was going to be easy, but in a way it actually made it harder. I can kind of see how it would, because I think the more invested we are in a thing, yes. the less ability we have to perhaps be. I don't know, like, like objective. Yes, totally. And it's also like, I felt like I was being very, you know, um, I think you just take for granted when you like exist for so long in a world that something is like, oh, everyone knows that, but really like nobody knows it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I, I think feel like in the horse world, I'm like a beginner. I feel like there's people in the horse world that are so much more advanced than me. But then when it's like, I'm going into like a sort of like a layman or whatever, it's a, mm-hmm. I'm like the expert, you know? So it's just interesting to well, kind of- like, I am very passionate about cats, for example. And so people will ask me like different things, you know, about cats and like, why do cats do, you know, this thing or that thing? And sometimes I'll think, well, like, like, don't you know that? Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, wait, like, unless- I'm like- <laughs> about you know, horses and dogs and I'm very like I because even when I was a kid I was obsessed with, with with horses and dogs and I would know like all the behavioral stuff like all the theories yes. right like and so I I totally know what you mean and it's like when you sort of know something especially for so long if you think like even when when you're a child that you knew that you sort of assume right <laughs> we all well, doesn't that. everybody know yeah. <laughs> oh man Plus, you know what I'm going to also say, like, I feel like it's important. I feel like if you have animals, you should know. I, that's like something I feel really strongly about yes. horses, that some people, are, most people, I would even say that own horses have like a shocking, like they don't understand the most basic thing about like what is like going on physically inside of their horse or like what their skeleton looks like or anything like that. Like, it's crazy. And I actually think that it's much more responsible to try to understand those things if you're going to own a pet. 
I think that is very true just in kind of how how people relate to animals and like how much need there is for people to adopt animals. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I feel like, especially if we're talking about like cats and dogs, I feel like there's so many that are in need of homes that a lot of the the places that you adopt from, it can't really be as, as picky as they might want to be. That's true. That's totally true. And like at the end of the day, of course, it's like, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about the individual owners, but I think right. I agree with you that at the end, it's like if anyone will take some something, it's, you know, you kind of to a point, right? Right. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes some of those sacrifices like can be sort of made up for if people do the work and learn, you know, what they need to know. Yeah. Um, but then I also figure that to some degree, any, you know, any home as long as like there's no abuse or neglect is better than some of the places that, you know, animals would be. I know exactly. Well, I 100% know know what you mean. Like I live in a horse, it's called a, it's Norco. It's a horse town. And there is sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of people that I think I don't really like the way that they keep their horse, but at the end of the day, it's like, like you said, it's better than some of the alternatives. Right. Like at least, you know, their, their needs are, are being met. They have, they have food, they have a person. Um, and yeah. you know, it's, it's not perfect. I think oh. in, in so many, so many ways, our relationships with animals are not perhaps what we would, you know, want them to be. Yeah. Um, and we also like, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I also look at like the numbers of feral cats, for example, yeah. That, you know, you just see like so many. There's a lot of and, them. Oh yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. Cause well, cause it, this is a very sort of rural community. Um, so there's a lot of cats that just live out in the, out in the wild kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not, it's not ideal like for, for them, for us, for anybody, yeah. you know, there shouldn't I mean- just be. Totally. But I guess that there's another aspect to it, which I think that all this kind of stuff is just theory. We don't really know at the end of the day what they like best. So even like, no, it's true. You know, some people would look at my horse's situation and be like, oh, they should be in a nice sort of barn, you know, like a little 12 by 12 barn with like shavings and they shouldn't be out in the, you know what I mean? Out in a right, like out in the open. Yeah. So there's, you know, everyone has a different opinion and that's like a huge thing in the horse world for sure. So I'm going to shift gears and ask you my most favorite question. And that is, what have you read recently that you want the world to fall in love with? Um, okay, you know what I really like um, is, have, have you read Mr. Magic by Kirsten White? I have not, but I do like Kirsten White. And so I do need to... Uh, remedy this like a month it's really cool it's like about these sort of like these it's like all these child actors who are on this it's very like kind of sci-fi who were on this kind of like weird show like when they were kids it was like this magic show and it's like this sort of what I like about it is that it's so like different you'll like read it and you'll be like this is like not really like anything I've ever read so they come back um, for like a, almost like a reunion when they're older, but it's like, there's like some real magic stuff going on. I guess I can't like really say too much without like feeling like I'm spoiling it. That's why I'm kind of like edging around it, but like, yeah, it's just like this really, like, it felt like such a visual story, which I really like 
when something feels like almost like it's transcending the format. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I really loved that. And then I also read Atomic Blonde by Haley Sutton, um, which it's like, it has, it's like a nexus of so many things I like. So it's like, um, it's in Hollywood and it's this girl whose sister was like a star who was like, who was murdered. And she, the, the sister now runs this kind of like true crime tour through Hollywood. And she basically like happens upon another murder at the same place where her sister was murdered. And it kind of like goes from there, but it has like Hollywood. It has like true crime. It has kind of like a little bit of like the funny CD LA stuff. So I was like, this is, I would kept saying to Haley when I was reading, I kept messaging her and just being like, just, I'm like, just so you know, this is like so many things that I like, like, I'm like, I'm probably kind of like biased, but I absolutely love this book so much. I'm like, I don't know if like, I'm just like, this is hitting in so many points for me. I'm going to have to put both of these on my short list of things to read. If I put them on the long list, um, well, it might be you know, 10 or 15 years before I read them. But yeah. if I put them on the short list, it might happen sooner rather than later. We'll see. Yeah, no, they're really fun. Both are fun. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, especially so close to your publication day. We are just a day ahead. Um, and so I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for and having me. You're welcome. And before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Oh, I'm on. Well, I mean, I feel like I never use Twitter. So but basically like Instagram. And also, I think I'm on Facebook. And if anybody. Think? Has, oh, yeah, I am. I know I am. Sorry. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I just was like thinking because I was like, am I on Facebook? Like, I feel like Instagram is like probably like the, I feel like it's the best place because it's like I have like, you know, like a Facebook page. But it's like I only started using it for for this. And I feel like I kind of just post the same stuff as Instagram, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> and but, um, do you describe your Instagram photos? Oh, oh, no. Should I do that? Well, that depends. So um, um, would you do that in the in the caption? You could do it in the caption or you could do it in what Instagram and Twitter call like alt text. And if you Google adding alt text to Instagram photos, you should be able to find a tutorial that tells you how to do it. I have heard that it's less intuitive on Instagram than it is on Twitter. And so you certainly could just put it like in the caption or just in the body of your post, but it definitely does help make photos a lot more accessible for people like me who just like flat out cannot see photos cannot see anything um I am so frustrated by the amount of stuff in social media like people will take a picture of a book cover and they'll say oh I read this and it was really good and it'll say it will say picture may contain text I'm like great and so then I have to ask people well you know what book is this what you know, yeah. and then sometimes they tell me, sometimes they don't, um, where if someone just posts in the post itself, you know, image description, this is a photo of the cover of, you know, this particular book by this particular author. Um, mm-hmm. It just does make the world of social media 
a lot more accessible to people who don't deal with photos for whatever reason people may have, whether it's like a neurological thing or a visual disability. Um, it just definitely makes things a little easier to, to access. Thank you for telling me that. And I'm sorry that you, that you have to, um, because I should already be doing that quite frankly. Can you let us know what your Instagram handle is? I think I asked you about describing before you actually told people how to find you there. Um, I think that, hold on, I'm really on the ball with all this, obviously. Um, it's Eliza Jane Brazier. Ah, okay. So just my name. Pretty easy. Yes. No one else had it. Th- that's always the best. I always feel bad for people. And they're like, <laughs> I was going to use this. And then someone took it. They already <laughs> had it. I'm like, oh. You have to be like one or with the little underscore. Yes. Or like underscore it. Or you have to like change it to, yeah. um, or like to something. Some vowels or something. <laughs> yes. Like, like I remember um, Jesse Q. Sutanto told me. At one point that her, um, one of her handles was the writing hippo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I just thought that was like so funny and something that probably like people, you know, wouldn't have taken. And so it worked really well for her. And her, and but she's like, and she has, is very successful on these um, like social media. Like I feel like her things are, her tweets are always going viral. And I always like, whenever I'm looking for her, cause I kind of know her cause we debuted at the same time and we're both with, with Berkeley and stuff like that. Yes. Definitely I love like, her. You know, see, see her a lot. And I always did wonder like, cause I was like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah. like, how does this even come into, I've never asked that question. Like, where did this even come from? <laughs> I had her on the podcast for um, Vera Wong and also for um, aunties. Dial A for aunties. And she was sort of embarrassed the first time she told me what the, what her handle was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, I always remember it because it's just (laughs) like, there's nothing quite like that. No, because I guess she could probably change it. I think you can, because I've changed mine. Before yeah, I think you can. But I wonder if she just thinks, well, I've been this for so long. Or maybe she, maybe there is some story behind it that we, I just don't know. Well, I, I hope she doesn't change it. That would make me sad. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit attached to the writing. <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, is when you search too, like I, if you search her name, she'll still come up. Right. So. Yes. But I, I would be sad if it was like some other some other username who is this hippo like I, this is- <laughs> I love the writing next hippo. time you have her on we need to find out <laughs> the world must know what indeed <laughs> all right well this has been a discussion with author eliza jane brazier that originally started about her novel girls and their horses which releases um in the u.s on june 6th but then sidetracked into animals and social media Little handles and their hippos yes <laughs> that that can be your next book you can write oh, about hippos <laughs> so <laughs> once again this will be releasing in the u.s on june 6th all right so it's time to talk about new books when I was first thinking about this episode uh, a couple days ago, I was telling a friend of mine, oh, I just don't know you know, if there's that much that I'm excited about this week. And then I really looked at what was coming out and I realized that there are some gems coming out today. So 
let's talk about them. I'm going to start, as I always do, with books you've heard us mention before, um, this time on our most anticipated releases of June episode. The first book is one that Melissa is looking forward to, and this is historical fiction. It is The First Ladies by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. Stacy is super excited for the new Ashley Poston. This is a romance, and it's The Seven Year Slip. And I, I'm not sure how I forgot this was coming out, but I am very excited for Lay Your Body Down by Amy Suter Clark. She wrote Girl 11 a couple of years ago. And this was actually recommended to me by a Facebook friend who was fortunate enough to read an early copy. And it is finally here. So those are books that you've heard us talk about before. So what about some books that we haven't mentioned previously? So first up, I have a young adult novel. This is Invisible Sun, and it's by Kim Johnson. She wrote This Is My America several years ago. Um, and this one is about a young man who has just returned from juvie. And he's trying to kind of reclaim his life. But that's really hard when there's a global pandemic you are falsely accused of a crime, the girl you love moves away. So things are just not easy for Andre. This is Invisible Sun, and it's by Kim Johnson. I want to talk about a romance. Um, this is Will They or Won't They by Ava Wilder. This is an author that I haven't read before, but this synopsis really intrigued me. It is about co-stars who reunite to film the last season of a paranormal drama. So I'm not sure if this is one of these books where the paranormal is, you know, part of the story, where you know that paranormal stuff is real and, you know, it, it sort of propels the, the story forward. I'm not sure um, if it's like that, or if this is a thing where we, we have like a fictional paranormal world and we have to you know sort of go along with the idea that the paranormal is not real um, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well <laughs> but I don't know what this is going to be exactly but it looked very very cool I love books that are set around like tv shows or movies so this one looks super good and it is will they or won't they and it is by Ava Wilder. Next up, we have some romance slash romantic suspense with a little bit of horror thrown in here. We have Whispers at Dusk. This is the Blackbird Trilogy, book one by Heather Graham. And it's been a while since I've seen like a new Heather Graham series. A lot of what I see are like the crew of hunters books that have been going on for a while. And I have to be transparent and say that I've never read a Heather Graham. I've read some of the historicals that she's written as Shannon Drake, but I've never actually read Heather Graham. They tend to be kind of ghosty for my taste. Um, and people say that they are truly, truly terrifying. So if that is up your alley, give this one a try. This is Whispers at Dusk. Blackbird, book one by Heather Graham. This next book is one that I did not even know was coming out this week. This is The Last Sinner 
And it's New Orleans, book nine by Lisa Jackson. I thought we had finished with the New Orleans series um, in the last book. And so I'm really excited to see that we hadn't. Um, my very first Lisa Jackson was the first book in the New Orleans series, which was Hot-Blooded. And that's just long been like one of my favorite series that she does. I feel like those books are just so, so captivating. And she does a phenomenal job of creating the New Orleans setting. So this is The Last Sinner, New Orleans, book nine by Lisa Jackson. We also have The Camp. This is by Nancy Bush. That is Lisa Jackson's sister. The two of them have written some books together, but also, as we know, written some books by themselves. Um, and this is one of Nancy Bush's solo novels. Um, I love books that deal with camps. And I'm just a, a big fan of Nancy Bush in general. I think her books are understated in some ways, but still manage to be very, very creepy. It's it's kind of an odd dynamic, but she does it so, so well. So that again is The Camp, and it is by Nancy Bush. All right, so I'm going to move on now to some historical things, um, historical romance, historical mystery, straight up historical fiction. We've got it all here. First up is The Notorious Lord Knightley. This is Chessman, Masters of Seduction, book two by Lorraine Heath. This is a series that I know very, very little about, but I have been a fan of Lorraine Heath since the early 2000s, her Western romances, her British romances. Um, there's something so sensual about the stuff that she writes. There's a little bit of like this hint of the forbidden um, sometimes you have to like read between the lines to find it, but once you discover what it is, it's just so, so captivating. I feel like I'm using that word a lot today. Um, but Lorraine Heath is just a master of everything she does. So if you've never checked her out before, please do. This is the notorious Lord Knightley, Chessman, Masters of Seduction, book two by Lorraine Heath. We also have a new Caroline Linden. This is Fortune Favors the Viscount. It's Wagers of Sin, book four. And Caroline Linden is like a shining star of the, what I consider like the modern type of historical romance. Um, so things like, you know, the, the Julia Quinn um, and I'm trying to think of, of some good examples. Um, Julia Quinn, Kelly Bowen, Julianne Long, where you have that historical setting and you have some historical accuracy, but you also have this sense of something that is fresh and new. You have some of the like modern sensibilities that people like to pretend never existed in time past. And I love the way Caroline Linden kind of walks that line of giving us the historical aspect that we all love, but also giving us these heroes and heroines who feel incredibly relatable. So this one is Fortune Favors the Viscount, Wagers of Sin, book four by Caroline Linden. I also want to mention 
A Newlyweds Guide to Fortune and Murder. This is A Countess of Harley Mystery, and it's book six by Diane Freeman. It's interesting because this series came out like the first book, I think, was coming out right around the time that we were starting this podcast. And so I kind of feel like this series and Book Bistro kind of, I don't know, like grew up together. (laughs) And so I love that both are still going strong. These are historical mysteries set in England. They have a romantic through line that I think makes it easier to understand if you read the books in order, but I do know that some people, you know, have chosen not to and still understand everything about the individual mystery. So I would say it depends what you're reading the series for. Like if you just want to read a historical mystery, you can read these in any order. If you want to actually follow the character development and the romance, then you'll want to start at the beginning. But this one is a newlyweds guide to fortune and murder, Countess of Harley Mysteries, book six by Diane Freeman. This next book is The Other Side of Mrs. Wood, and it's by Lucy Barker. This is one that I have on hold at my public library, and it is set in London during the time when spiritualism and seances were really big. Now, we know that I don't like ghosts, but I am really intrigued by this whole idea of the ways in which people pretended to have contact with the other side and all of like the the fake mediums that were roaming about. So I love books that kind of delve into that. Um, Sarah Penner's The London Seance Society, some um, Barbara Michaels books, The Wizard's Daughter, There's a Sarah Waters novel called Affinity that does this. So I am very, very excited for this one. So this is The Other Side of Mrs. Wood, and it's by Lucy Barker. We also have a new Beatrice Williams, and this is The Beach at Summerlee. And Beatrice Williams has written a ton of really, really excellent things um, from different eras in the 20th century. Um, She does some stuff in the 1920s. She has done some stuff like pre-World War II, during World War II, post-World War II. And she is just an incredible author. She also writes with what I affectionately call Team W. That is Lauren Willig, Karen White, and Beatrice Williams, where they write historical fiction, um, usually set in three different time periods. So she's just a phenomenal historical fiction author. This takes place, from what I can tell, right after the end of World War II. So this is The Beach at Summerlee, and it's by Beatrice Williams. Okay. So I want to talk about a couple of like mystery, thriller, suspense. We have Truly, Darkly, Deeply by Victoria Selman. This is about a woman who, when she was 12, discovered that her mother's boyfriend was a serial killer. And now he is in prison. But she is grown up now 
And she's starting to wonder, like, what if she was wrong? I need this book in my life, like right now. (laughs) This just looks incredible. This is Truly, Darkly, Deeply by Victoria Selman. We also have The Night It Ended. This is by Katie Garner. And this is about a woman who is trying to find the truth. Now, the truth about what? I don't know. But her own past and the secrets that she's keeping causes her to see lies everywhere she looks. So maybe some of these lies do exist, and maybe some of them don't. This is The Night It Ended, and it's by Katie Garner. I'm also really excited about this next book. This is Charlotte Isles is Not a Detective, and it's by Katie Siegel. This is about a woman who grew up as like this being a, a child detective. So I'm guessing like she found, you know, lost pets and different things like that. And she was pretty well known in her community as being able to solve these mysteries. Well, now she's an adult and apparently something has happened and she decides to put on her detective hat one more time. But this time things are a lot more serious than they were when she was a kid. This looks like so much fun. Um, I don't think I've read a book with a synopsis quite like this one before, so I'm eager to see how this goes. It is Charlotte Isles is Not a Detective, and it's by Katie Siegel. We also have a new Heather Chavez book. This is Before She Finds Me. And Heather Chavez um, has been mentioned on the podcast before. Um, There's Blood Will Tell. And no, what is it? No Bad Deed are the two books that she has previously written. Um, I think Brooke has talked about both of them for various episodes. I have not read them, but she is an author that is definitely on my list of things to pick up. And this one looks especially intriguing. So I am hoping to move it up in my huge TBR pile sometime soon. This is Before She Finds Me by Heather Chavez. There's also The Wife app by Carolyn Mackler. And this also looks delightful. So think of like Olivia Goldsmith, The First Wives Club, or you know the movie that was based on that book. And you kind of have The Wife app but with like a modern twist and technology and all of this. But basically, it is about a group of women who develop an app that is supposed to help them get revenge on their exes who have wronged them. I say yes, yes, and yes a thousand more times. This is The Wife app, and it's by Carolyn Mackler, and I would like it right now, please. Okay, I am rounding off today with some paranormal romance slash urban fantasy. We have Ring of Ruin, Relic Hunters, book three by Carrie Arthur. Carrie Arthur is fantastic. I've loved everything I've read by her. I have not picked up the first book in this series yet. Um, I've heard that there's kind of a terrifying scene with large rats, and I'm just not sure. Um, if I'm ready for that. But 
She is an author that I love, and I'm always happy to see when she has new books out, because even if it's not a series that I'm currently reading, I know that I will pick it up eventually. So this is Ring of Ruin, Relic Hunters, book three, by Carrie Arthur. We also have a new urban fantasy series. This is The Ward Witch. It's Unholy Island, book one, and it's by Sarah Painter. This is an island where supernaturals reign supreme. Our heroine is a witch whose responsibility is to kind of look after the wards that keep the island protected. I'm not sure exactly what it's being protected from, if it's one of these places where um, only supernaturals live and so humans don't know it exists, or are there some bad supernaturals who are you know, ready to like invade. I don't know, but I really want to find out. This is The Ward Witch, Unholy Island, book one by Sarah Painter. And lastly, we have a new Shannon Mayer out this week. This is Midlife Soul Hunter. It is 40 Proof, book eight. I think this is the last book in the 40 Proof series, and I'm not sure that I'm ready to say goodbye. Fortunately, I have um, three books in the series that I haven't read yet, so I personally don't have to say goodbye yet, but it still is kind of sad to me to see this series come to an end because this is phenomenal paranormal women's fiction. Um, Stacy has talked about this a bunch on the podcast. I think I've referenced it a time or two. Shannon Mayer is just incredible. Um, I, I love so much of what she's doing these days. Um, so this is out in paperback and Kindle this week. I think the paperback came out yesterday and I think the Kindle version is coming out on Friday. I'm not sure when the audio will be out. I would imagine it will be a couple of weeks, but definitely keep an eye out if the audio is something you're looking for, read by the phenomenal Lauren Fortgang. But this is Midlife Soul Hunter, 40 Proof, book eight by Shannon Mayer. All right, everybody, that is all I have for you this week. I hope everyone is doing well, reading lots, enjoying your summer, if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, that is. Um, I'm guessing it's it's going to be winter in Australia. Um, I will be back with you, of course, next week when it will be my birthday. I'm very happy that my um, birthday falls on a new book Tuesday. That just always delights me. So, until the next Tuesday morning episode. I mean, of course, we'll have a big episode on Friday. But until next time, stay well. And of course, well read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.